0: Have you ever had a dream? Can you look back? Remember what it was like to have that dream? What if I did this? What if I did this? Could I only do that? Did you take your shot? Let's meet someone who did. Richard Blank is next. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours. Here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. Folks, too often, people see success and they say, wow, look at that company. They just sprang up and look how wonderful they're doing and everything's great. And they don't understand all the pain and all the hardship, and all the struggle and all the dreams and all the decisions that had to be made along the way. No business is an overnight success. It takes it takes all kinds of stuff. In fact, a lot of businesses, you don't even know what they went through because they didn't succeed. And we're going to talk about one that did. And we're going to talk about a person that has and who has made those tough decisions along the line to get to where he is. You're going to love to meet my new friend, Richard Blank. Richard, welcome to A Dash of grit.
1: So happy to be here today, Brian. Thank you so much for
0: having me as a guest on your show. I'm happy that you're here. Richard, you are the chief executive officer for Costa Rica's call center. Now, folks who who joined the show right now had no idea that there was such a thing, <laughs> right? right? There's so many different businesses and different things and you have turned something that wasn't there that needed to be there into something that is there and is very successful. And uh, you've got a lot to be proud of. Can you tell me a little bit about Costa Rica's call center, a little bit about success, a little bit about you, and let's uh, let's get everyone ready for a great show today.
1: Oh, so much to share, and where do we start? Let's yeah, let's let's begin where we're going to end. Costa Rica's call center, and I've been in the industry for twenty-two years. Started my business fourteen years ago with my wife. Grew to one hundred and fifty agents. We currently have a three-floor building that can house three hundred agents, and you know, in essence, we're a bilingual, dedicated call center in Central America, north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. And Costa Rica is a beautiful Central American country with some incredible ecotourism, wonderful labor, uh, pool that we have here, and our infrastructure is incredible. And so maybe today I can break some of the misconceptions that people have in regards to what a call center is, a telemarketer, or even a CEO, because it does take a dash of grit to break those sort of stereotypes and to show empathy with those with whom work with you. And to be able to not call people at dinner for that bad reputation that telemarketers have. So yeah, and let's talk about that a little bit ahead.
0: before we get into the 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 grit that it took to bring there. Because you're right. Let's talk a little bit about how you can do a bad call center or what your call center does, like what you're known for, what you want it to be, and what and and then I'm interested in how we got it to there in the first place. But you do things right. You and I talked before, and and you've got a, a, a an understanding of the fact that I don't want to be bothered. by telemarketers all the time. Like, it's not a a, a fun thing. So explain to me how you're doing it right, how how your Costa Rican call center is doing it right.
1: Well, that's an excellent question there, Brian. The first thing is the sort of accounts that come into the center. I turn down more than I accept, and we're in a very strict Catholic country, so it's really a seller's market. If nobody shows up at your party at Chuck E. Cheese, you don't have any friends. And so Mm -hmm. if I'm offering certain projects here, And they have options such as Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle. They could work at those call centers. Why would they choose mine? They have to go home and tell their mother what they do for a living, as I do with my parents. And so that's number one. Secondly, I give them their dignity. Because not just in the call center industry, but any vertical, a lot of the employees might feel expendable, feel like a robot. They're just maybe not onboarded properly, given the resources or even the encouragement. To want to grow with a company. And so the first thing that I do with my agents here is once again, put fear into perspective. By learning a second language, they're coming to the table immediately, Brian bilingual, which bears the mark of higher education. And it's 10 times harder than any project I put them on. <laughs> and in addition to that, I start my call center experience with my agents with a gamification culture. We play pinball and Pac-Man and air hockey before even putting them in a training class. So they can relax, they can meet other co-workers. And instead of just absorbing, now they're contributing for their level of comfort. And
0: so so, the the picture that I have in my head of a call center is this Dank room, bunch of people kind of all sweating together and going through the, you're talking about, I mean, you're an avid collector of, of vintage uh, pinball games and and uh, all these fun things. And you're creating a culture of excellence there, much like anyone would create in any business. It's no different, is it?
1: Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, what you've seen in the movies with the Wolf of Wall Street and Glengarry Glenn Ross and Boiler Room, you're looking at a Northeastern or even a Chicago room of white collar professionals that are making outbound phone calls now not everybody sells stock or high-end real estate there's a lot of verticals that do lead generation appointment setting inbound support even non-voice omni-channel chat and email support and so a lot of people do earn a very good living the difference with the call center here is that we have infrastructure and also i do have the liberty of getting places without natural light and bad air I chose to have vaulted ceilings and bay windows. (laughs) And so it's really up to the the leader of this organization on how he wants to treat their people. And so not only do we give them all the resources, I once again tried to create a certain environment where not only people make friends, but they can grow within themselves to become more self-reliant and self-confident. And if you're afraid of me, that's your issue. If you're not breaking the law, why are you afraid of a police officer? And if you're coming to work on time, pen at the ready, you know, practicing at home, dedicated practice so you improve your English and your speaking skills. Why wouldn't I want to put wind in your sails delegate and find ways to promote you to the top? And so I'm not here looking to fire you or to give you a walk of shame. Somebody could do that. My ego is just fine. What I'm really trying to do, once again, is to get, reduce my attrition, to have the synergy here in order for people to feel comfortable enough to really get fulfilled with their jobs.
0: Yeah. And, and so there's so many different levels of grit. And, and you just described one, not being satisfied with the status quo. We're not just going to have a quote unquote, typical, stereotypical call center. We're going to do this right. We're going to do this with, with respect for our employees so they can have respect in themselves. And, and we're going to build a strong business. And and that takes a level of grit because you could have pulled some shortcuts along the way and not built what you did. So let's talk a little bit about that. You've built this thing from ground up. And I know that takes a lot of hard work and grit and sweat. Um, Let's discuss that. Let's talk about the hurdles you've overcome. And let's share some stories of of grit for the uh, call center of Costa Rica.
1: Well, the only sort of grit and obstacles I had to overcome was getting past my parents' guilt and moving abroad at 27 years old. I had uh, <laughs> it a one in a million. You can't do that, Richard. <laughs> one of the strongest powers you could ever
0: overcome. Oh, when man. I was the thinking, thumb of your mom, right? No, don't go.
1: Well, here's here's the thing. Before even Costa Rica, I'll I'll just go back even a little bit further. Yeah, Yeah. I grew up in Northeast Philadelphia, and when I graduated Abington High School in '91, I decided to double down on my favorite class, which was Spanish. So I went to the University of Arizona and was a Spanish communication major. So it just wasn't something that just happened overnight. I was almost preparing for my one in a million opportunity, and so uh, grit is endurance is having courage and the audacity to believe in your, your vision. And so once again, when friends were going to medical school and law school, studying engineering and architecture, I decided to, I guess, be a Renaissance romantic and study languages. And what sort of rate of return do you get? Well, I don't know. But this is what I did know, that I was marketable. And my great-grandparents that came over from Europe at the turn of the century, they learned English and were entrepreneurs. So really, it's about a nomad circle. And so I guess I convinced my parents enough to invest in my university studies. But while I was in college, Brian, I interned for Telemundo for two years in promotions and public relations for not only work experience, but once again, Spanish. And so when this opportunity came at 27 and a good friend of mine had a call center and said... Why don't you come down for two months to teach English? I shed some skin that day. And I realized that I had to make a very, very big decision to follow through on that sort of commitment I gave to myself at 18 years old. And so I really put down my parameters. I laid my plan out. And as long as I was getting some positive reinforcement from where I was working at, learning the industry and not getting Mm -hmm. in trouble... Obviously, my family and my friends and my peers realized I was at the right place.
0: Did you give up some uh, stability? Did you give up some promises of a good life in America, doing things that your parents wanted you to do, doing things they thought you should do? Did you give up that stability for this chasing this dream? Or was it pretty much a guarantee if I go and do it, it's going to work out great?
1: Well, my good friend, as long as you know, your parents can pitch you a wiffle ball over the plate, Depends yeah. on how you hit it. Yeah. Now, I could have dropped every single parent connection and networking that I did through college. and But I decided to at least take a full 100% starting from scratch yeah. risk. Yeah. And I could have always clicked my heels and come home. So maybe I yearn for adventure. Maybe I just wanted to test myself to see if I, you know, am I just a one trick pony? Or am I capable of doing something? And so when I was at my friend's call center, I did not start off at sea level. So I was with the proletariat. I was with thousands of Costa Ricans. And this is, you know, during the early 2000s. So I was listening to them on the phone, speaking in a second language, intense concentration, converting calls, getting positive escalations. And to me, I saw the art of speech. It's almost like if someone writes in cursive, they were speaking beautifully. (laughs) And I said, I think I can do this. And I also kind of have a home court advantage. And so after working at my friend's center for four years, I was confident enough not to know the industry inside and out. You learn that in time. But I saw areas in which to enhance the experience for the agent and for the client. And then when I started my business, I started slow, just started renting a space. And then I started building out a space and then I bought a space and so these are things that were done without a loan, without a mortgage, and slow and steady. So you and I could weather those storms. And listen, I can take grit all day long, but as long as I have supplies and resources, you know, you're not going to smoke me out. I can stay there for a very long time. Yeah. And the way that yeah. you and I were raised by our grandparents during the Depression, you save your money and you're conservative. And you're not, mm-hmm. you know... Footloose and fancy free when you close a deal, you enjoy yourself like I've done with machines. Mm-hmm. But you also have this sort of responsibility for job stability. And I had to make sure that my agent's uh, reliance on me was something that they could feel comfortable with.
0: And so you're, you're a young man, you're on your own, you're in Costa Rica, you're doing things the way you think they ought to be done. Was there any if ever anything that happened along the way that made you think, okay, hold on, this isn't gonna work? It was a good run, it was a good dream. But maybe, maybe not. Maybe I need. Were you ever, you know, at the risk of uh, of failure?
1: When I was in my 30s, I realized that time is is going fast, and I knew what my worth was and what I could earn per hour. Uh, the only thing was I couldn't compare apples really to anybody. No one could write me out a map or a game plan. Hmm. And so, what I really had to do was just once again just be self reliant on my own experience. And also no surprises that I realized that when you are forthright with a client and you talk about the labor laws and the expectations, or if you can work through some sort of conflict with them, you have a much better foundation relationship with them to be able to move forward. And so not saying it's being a big boy, but these are some serious responsibilities in regards to finances and contracts, which I never had experience with before. Mm -hmm. I I was a marketer. I was a teacher. You know, I was somebody that was still living in adventure in my late 20s and early 30s. Mm-hmm. And so, as I say, this is my first run. And if you ever once again allow fear or you're to second-guess yourself, you're going to make very bad decisions. I do believe in, besides due diligence and research, you should also go with your intuition. And I believe in the philosophy of Wu Wei. So if there is no resistance and something is happening naturally and you're getting some positive feedback from it, then you're at the right place. The sun is shining on you. You are going to grow. And as much as I say, I miss my family and I'm 3000 miles away, looking back at my decisions, I made some excellent decisions in regards to being fulfilled with my life. I, I married the girl of my dreams. I have a luxury trade. I have, um, I guess, over exceeded any sort of expectations I had on myself because there was no checkpoints to this. I had no ways to grade this. The only thing I could really do was just say, go, Richard, go. And thank you very much for another day. (laughs) So it was really just a a daily sort of looking at myself in the mirror and just realizing that if the run ended, carpe diem, and I'm so proud of myself for actually coming this far.
0: But Richard, is it that easy? Can anybody do what you did so uh, you you showed up in Costa Rica out of Philadelphia, started a new business. You know, you know all these employees and doing all these amazing things. Can anybody just say you know, let's just go and let's just make good decisions? Like there had to be something about you that made this success. It wasn't all perfect, was it?
1: I and mean, it wasn't all me. Ah. I mean, no way that I could have scaled without people that have been with me over a decade or believed Mm -hmm. enough in me to invest their time. I'm not an octopus. I can't wear a thousand hats. I can't be in the kitchen and on the floor as well. And so there had to be a time where I let go of the bike and allowed a supervisor to represent me, Mm -hmm. allowed the human resources department to interview for me. I could once again, out of all those years working with these individuals, show them my style, my culture, but to grow to the size that I did. No. And, and if you don't have your own internal balance, how can you expand on others? There's mm-hmm. no, there's no roots or branches there. And so once again, being a leader is dressing for it, showing up for it, being respectful mm-hmm. and following through on my word. You know, I'm not just, I am a guest in this country and a lot of anglo saxons they come and go, they start companies, they end companies and, and they do their thing. I, once again, tried to represent not only the United States in the best light, but once again, the call center industry in Costa Rica by breaking bread with the people that work with me and walking the roads, being selective of the campaign. So to answer your question in a certain way, it it, it is quite simple. As long as you do things ethically, you follow the laws here, and you understand that there are things outside of the office that may affect someone's performance here. So if you take all of those things into consideration, it kind of just works itself out.
0: It takes care of itself, doesn't it? And I'm wondering, Richard, from your experience, did it ever require grit to stay on the ethical path? There's lots of shortcuts out there and you can make a billion dollars over there and only a hundred million over here, right? I mean, there's different levels of success, but sometimes you have to sell your soul for a few things. It didn't sound like you did. And I'm wondering if that was ever a tougher decision along the way where you had to show grit to stay the path?
1: Of course. When I get phone calls from potential clients and I pretty much check most of the boxes, except one, price. There's a lot of offshore centers in the Philippines and India that could do it for half my price. And so when people Mm. try to explain Mm. to me why I should be paying the people here less money, I would then have to explain to them that they are worth less than what everybody's earning in this country. (laughs) And so it's one of those things where I have to politely decline an account to somebody, even though we qualify 90% of the time. I I don't want to compromise my ethics, values or morals to earn a dollar. I don't do certain campaigns that once again, could be considered gray area or just the agents might not feel comfortable with it. And so as much as I'd love to be 10,000 people at the moment, maybe my natural growth where I could sleep at night and be in business for 14 years from my solid reputation caused me to only grow to this beautiful size of 150 because maybe it is more custom made. It's more mom and pop. It's more bed and breakfast, you know, where I get to know everybody and the clients realize they get that extra special treatment. So there was never really a forced fit. It's just me competing against Amazon. Okay. My grit, yeah. I, I will lose people from natural attrition, Brian, because either it's closer to their, uh, their home, their boyfriend or girlfriend works there, scheduling conflict for university. And so I have to, in my mind, stand tall when somebody leaves me because of that, or even stand taller when somebody just leaves and doesn't even give a two-weeks notice, when I myself have put so much energy and investment in them, which is my job, and it was my pleasure, When somebody is with me, they should be getting better. But I do expect a certain sort of mutual respect and courtesy and just some sort of thing where I am responsible with my client right now. You're putting me in a position to be making a weird phone call Monday morning before they even had their coffee. But I am the kind of individual will make that phone call and, you know, tell what happened and have many solutions and and make sure that it works out. And as much as this is a perfect world, once again, life happens. And there's a lot of outside factors in this office that I have no clue about. And so once again, what I try to do is more of a preventative measure than a cure.
0: Yeah. And you you treat others the way you want to be treated, the way you want to be known and and things work out. It's the universal law. and, And that's, that sounds that way now. Another thing that happens, I think, in, in, in entrepreneurial growth is that we get so locked into our business, we become our business, it uh-huh. becomes us, and it'll eat us from the inside. And that requires some grit to get some life balance. And I'm interested a little bit in an aside here. You are a classic uh, pinball, avid a collector of these machines. I see a couple of them in the background there. And I'm interested in, in your life balance. You're not just the CEO of the Costa Rican Call Center. You're, you're Richard Blank, and you've got other things you're interested in too. Talk to me about life balance.
1: I love my me time. Yeah. Because I wish I could do Eastern meditation. I just don't have the discipline or structure for it yet. But I wake up every day at 5.30 and work out for a few hours at my home gym. I also like to wash my convertible on Sundays. And you did mention my pinball machine. So there's always a pinball marathon. Okay. It allows me to put my phone away, Brian, and to decompress. So it allows image streaming and letting my mind wander. And by walking away, sleeping on it or pondering it, I can sometimes realize I overextended myself or didn't say enough. It allows me once again to come back with a much more level head and more relaxed in regards to any sort of situation. But um, if I didn't have the fidelity, if I didn't love what I do, there's no way I would have invested all of this time I enjoy the art of speech. I enjoy the thesaurus. I like to talk about similes and expand vocabularies. I like to talk about diplomacy and strategy. And we study speech. We have a quality control department that listens to calls and grades them on KPIs, but I look more for soft skills. When an agent does a positive escalation and mentions a gatekeeper to a a decision maker, or Mm -hmm. if they're spot on with their rebuttals and their timing, if they're getting their name dropped, it means that they connected and anchored with the person. If they're raking questions to make sure it goes from horizontal to vertical to see areas of interest and stack open-ended questions, I, mm. I see somebody dancing speech. Mm. They're not just going through the motions. They're not just plastic. They're, they really are showing their essence, the, the raw desire of what got them into this in the first place. You were mentioning being a DJ back in the day, and I think that's yeah. cool because during the 80s was yeah. the best music I I'm sure you spun a lot of In Excess records. Oh and man, so I
0: had the long hair flowing and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. You had the
1: people dancing <laughs> in the middle of these things and participating <laughs> and getting the crowd going and giving out yeah. prizes. And you awesome. almost were being the life of the party.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what you and I are doing is we're really energy givers, we're communicators. We What we try to do is to elevate the tone and to make it positive and your audience has no idea the sort of work that you do prior to these recordings now just on our own experience there was at least a half a dozen emails going back we rescheduled because life happens we really wanted to get together our first phone call we couldn't get off the phone because we just kept talking about a lot of things you know i love ohio (laughs) i mean it's just and it's just um brian you bring this out in people and yeah. you motivated me enough to give you a call because I, I i love grit. I love John Wayne, where he wanted to die with his boots on and And to me, I just didn't yeah. want to disappoint people. I just wanted to make people proud and If by having a fun adventure to talk about at cocktail parties or my parents realizing that that investment at Arizona paid off because I do speak a second language, yeah uh, then I guess everybody wins. But it might take fifteen rounds to get there. it may lose a few rounds. But it's that person that can get off the mountain, through the desert and over those seas that survive after their body is really given up. It's it's that inner spark that keeps them going. That's where I was at. Some people might say it was crazy. Well, then so be be it. it. Mm -hmm. But Crazy Richard didn't really want to hurt anybody. All I wanted to do was, as I mentioned, fulfill a certain life
0: goal. And, I and, and that's the piece that I want people to remember, Richard, about you is, and, and about them. When they're building a business, when you're building a business, I think it's so important. You have to show less grit when that business can be about something that you're passionate about. It's something you love. I, I don't believe that we all just need to find something we love and make money at it. I, I don't know that that's doable, but we sure can love the way we do it. We sure can love the, the ethics we put in and the, the personality we put in, the way we treat our employees, and, and we can do things right. And, and uh, I, I think if that can be the goal, your, your ability to see the art, and the passion and see the growth in people. If that can be the goal, I think the money takes care of itself. I, I, I think the grit takes care of itself. I would rather fight, like you said, being on the field of battle. I would rather fight for something I believe in. Like I'll die for something I believe in. I won't die for a business. I'll die for something I believe in. And I, and I think that's, that's yeah, true grit. Like, and, and congratulations for having that perspective.
1: Well, let's talk soldiers for a minute. I don't like to hire mercenaries. As much as they are the best English, the best skills, they also could have the worst habits. Hmm. Jump from my company to another when they get a higher price, there's no loyalty to a flag. I want the people that believe in Costa Rica's call center. We're just not a transitional type of job. And I think that's very important that people see that. And, um, you know, once again, when it comes to working with people, I feed families And so when I get to see somebody's mother or their wife or their child that show up, I realize that there's a ripple effect to this. And when they thank me and say that their husband or wife or partner is so happy, or especially when their mother shows up, you know I'm going to say great things about them in front of their mom for five minutes. And and that's a gift that just keeps on giving. Why, Brian? Because maybe I'm the only boss that ever did that. Might be the yeah. only one that ever does. Not saying they don't deserve it, but every boss has an opportunity to play pinball with their agents and to thank their mother. Yes. And as much as I can offer you the bells and whistles here, I believe that those are the sort of things that give me a call center CEO boss gold medal.
0: Good for you. Good for you and and good for never giving up on that because I know it's a lot easier sometimes to take the shortcut and and take the money, but good for you for building something big. So the Dash of Grit podcast is brought to you by Spire. Spire creates results-driven digital marketing and websites that help companies grow. Are you ready to break through the barriers that hold your company back? Take your growth higher with Spire. Learn more at SpireAd.com. You're Real quickly, we're coming way. towards the end of our, our time together. I'm wondering what's next. Where, where, where do you see in the future on the horizon uh, where Richard Blank is going to have to dig in and show some grit uh, to make it over the next hurdle to come?
1: Well, on my personal life, I'd like to do two things. I'd like to master the violin to impress my wife. And the second thing is to start writing my children's books. So I'm just going to have to find the courage to be able to begin those two projects.
0: Okay. You still have to begin to learn the violin and begin to write? Is that where you're at?
1: Begin to get at a comfortable stage to be able to show people. (laughs) I mean, I still have a lot of ideas together and I'm just learning my scales. But uh, it's the one thing that, once again, it feels natural to me. And when I have more time to invest in that, I'll do it a little bit more. But at the moment, I still have a goal, once again, is to see how many people I can promote. And how many ways in which I can put Costa Rica on the map and being the greatest call center location in the world. And also for your audience, a friend to come visit. If anybody's in Costa Rica, it doesn't have to be business. I'd love to make suggestions and to have somebody just come by and visit me.
0: If someone wanted to reach out to you and find out more about you, maybe even visit you, just talk about business, talk about talk about uh, pinball games. Um, how How would they reach you to have that conversation?
1: They can give me a call at 888-271-6750. I also have a huge Facebook fan page where I'm going to be putting this podcast interview on. And and I got about 98,000 locals there. And so it will really tell you about Costa Rica and what we do in the evenings and, and the pulse of the industry. But I can't thank you enough. A dash of grid is important. It's not really a dash. You almost have to live it. It's just not something that... You feel inspired every now and again. You did mention earlier in this podcast, living your business. Okay, that's, that's one thing for a certain stage in life, but it's not your entire life. And I believe if you had a certain amount of grit at a certain period of time, let's see how long that can last. And you always need to reassure yourself because there may be some gray believers out there that say no. And, and it's only because they love you. It's, and that's all right. But as long as you can make your case and little by little show through good faith that you are progressing, then by all means, you should continue on your spiritual journey and, and try to have the best life possible.
0: Which is why, Richard, your wife is already impressed with you because of the <laughs> grit you're showing in trying to learn the violin. And folks, it goes all the way down to when he, when he decided to start his business. Starting is the first level of grit. Every single day, picking up that mantle and going to the next level is another level of grit. But you've accomplished something. When you go to bed at night, and you look back and say, what did I accomplish? You've accomplished something there. It took some grit to get there. And so Richard, I know that you will play that violin well. I know you already are, even though I've never heard you. I bet you any money. And I, I, I congratulate you on, on so many different levels of grit in your life and for sharing this story with our customers on the Dash of Grit podcast
1: had an excellent time. Thank you so
0: much, Brian. Thanks for being a part of it. Folks, we do this every week. Check us out again on dash of com or where you find your podcast. Until we talk next time, stay gritty, win the day and go get them. Have a great day. This is a dash of grit recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.